Hey, welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. Here we are again, working to bring the Lordship of Jesus Christ to real life. And what we're finding out and what has been the premise of this podcast from the beginning is that when we declare Jesus as Lord, we understand his superior wisdom, knowledge, blessing, uh, authority uh, for all of life. That's when we experience life to the fullest. And when we ignore him, when we deny his claims to uh, our allegiance, when we deny his authority over every area of life, that's when it all falls apart. And yeah. man, is it falling apart. I mean, we always sit here, you know, before we go into an episode and figure out what is it that we need to talk about. And the hard part is there are so many illustrations of of the chaos that ensues yeah. when we reject the Lord, that, that we have, we could talk for days. Uh, and, and why should we be surprised? Because history has shown us that has happened yeah. over and over again throughout history. Bar, bar, barbarism, you know, yeah. chaos, anarchy, tyranny, you know, injustice, tyranny yeah, throughout history. So yeah, and and it repeats itself. And, and that's what I think I love about the truth about a Christian worldview is you know eventually. Uh, Lies have a way of imploding. Yeah, and I, and I think you know. So where do we begin? How about, how about if we start by this this crazy uh, uh, issue we're dealing with now of transgenderism, which flies in the face of, of logic, science, rationality, and we saw the height of this you know uh, on the news just this last week with the NCAA swimming competition, um, where the gold medalist uh, it was a transgender woman, I guess, a man who is swimming as a woman, a biological male, and, uh, and was awarded the, you know, the, the, the championship first place, while there's three other gals over here who are really the first, second, and third place winners who get gypped out of uh, a chance to, to make history for themselves or to achieve, the, be the best at their, at their event, you know, uh, all because of a man who was swimming as a, a male, who was not a very good swimmer as a male. I think he was ranked nearly like 500th in the NCAA or something like that. And then all of a sudden he decides he's a woman and now uh, the top, you know, woman swimmer. Yeah. And uh, there was, of course, I, I was glad to see there was a lot of outrage about that. Uh, of course, the media always condemns and attacks anybody that would go against their uh, their crazy ideology. Um, but I think what's really sad is this results in the cancellation of what it means to be a woman, period, uh, in whatever arena of life. Well, you know, J.K. Rowling, who is the yeah. author of the Harry Potter series, who is a... F- Who's no conservative. She's no conservative, and nor she's is like, I know, Jesus believe whatever, nothing like that. She is a self-proclaimed feminist. Yeah. But she is actually true to what she actually says. She's actually a feminist. She actually advocate for female rights. Right. And which I can align with on 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 those terms because you know we also want women to be healthy and <laughs> we believe we that there are women. things called women. Yeah. We, <laughs> we we love women and we have wives and daughters and yes. And she's been you know ostracized and and canceled over that belief and probably more so than conservative because her voice carries so much more weight in yeah. the arena that she gives. Because yeah, she's not typically one of us. She, they can't just throw right. her in the category. No one cares about you know well, you and I think we're conservative. Right. We're, we're just we're we're you know we're wackos anyways. But right. here's a mainstream popular voice that many people follow. When she starts speaking, be like, wait a second. What does it mean to be a woman? It's your based on your feelings, based on you know yeah. this whole definition of bio, there's a separation between biology and what you have and who you right. are inside. She start questioning those things, and then 
In fact, I love uh, you know social commentator Matt Walsh. That's the question he always asks the left. Mm-hmm. Please define for me what is a woman. Mm. Because if we don't get back to definitions again, we ran into this in the state of Indiana when we were debating the whole marriage issue. Mm -hmm. Well, what is marriage? Until you know what marriage is, you can't really define who who should be a part of it. But if you define marriage as a a covenant relationship between a man and a woman, then that that tells you who's not married or who's not capable or who's not uh, allowed to be married. But you have to start with a definition. It's the same thing with... With, uh, with what is a woman? Because until we're able to sit down and define that, and of course we've always defined that with biology, there's like 650 scientific biological differences between ma- males and females. I mean, so this is deeply rooted not only in science, but of course it's rooted in theology because God from the very beginning creates male and female. And so we get right back to good theology, determining good public policy, which always, you know, the truth always lines up, theological truth always lines up with scientific truth. They're never at odds. All truth is God's truth. Um, but when we stray away from that, we get into crazy things where you got, you know, six foot whatever muscular woman swimming against normal biological females. And and there's no question about who's going to win every single time when uh, when a female has to swim or compete in any kind of athletic competition against a, a male. Uh, men are just created to be stronger, taller, uh, physically stronger. Uh, and, and that's an unfair competition anywhere on planet Earth. Yeah, I think even the Olympics, which is no conservative organization, has made some concessions. I, I read somewhere, I don't know specific, they have to measure the hormone level, the testosterone level, or something like that. I'm not exactly sure what it is. I think the NCAA hasn't made any concession, obviously, through these cases. Yeah. So. Well, and what's even more disappointing, what we just saw this week closer to home in Indiana, is uh, our own governor uh, vetoed the bill that was passed in this state to keep this from happening in, in girls' sports. Now, I have four in daughters Indiana, in yeah. Indiana. Yeah. And so I have four daughters, and uh, some of them have played sports. Uh, but irregardless, if my daughter was competing uh, uh, in whether basketball or swimming or volleyball, and and now she's having to compete against a a male who is masquerading as a female, who's demanding the same locker room space, who's demanding the you know the same playing time or whatever. I mean, my daughter has just been absolutely violated. Her rights have been violated. And this was good common sense legislation that just simply said biological males in Indiana should compete against biological males. And biological females should compete against biological females. And we need to to protect women's sports in Indiana to keep what we're seeing in more liberal states from happening here. And, and our governor, again, with a Republican governor with a Republican supposed supermajority of, of conservatives, and, and he vetoes this piece of legislation. Now, this was pure politics because, on the one hand, he, he, he uh, confirmed yeah. the uh, Second Amendment constitutional carry bill, which, uh, which, again, is just a good, common-sense, conservative piece of legislation that's good for everybody. Um, so, so you don't want to have that on your record, right? That you're you're against the the Second Amendment, but there here on this side, and I think you and I are talking about it. This was purely a a, a submission to corporate America and corporate interest and to dollars. Well, um, he, I, the commentary commentary you and I saw said that I think in a letter he wrote to the to the House or to the to the Senate. I don't I don't remember which one. 
basically said the bill didn't go far enough. And the commentator is like, what do you mean not go far enough? Like, we're taking a step towards it. There's exactly. always work to be done in so many different ways. Just to okay. veto because it didn't go far enough doesn't make sense. And I'm like, or, or I mean, his, his thought was like, well, I think people are too... Uh, Republicans are too naive of what's coming because part of the argument was that uh, it's not happening in Indiana. He's like, but it's it's going to happen. Right. It's happened all around the country. And I don't, you and I say, I don't think, I think it's less being naive. I think every, I think, I think the governor knows exactly what he's doing. He's not being naive about it. I think, I think that, you know, I'm, I don't know, but I'm guessing there are corporate interests. They are deals being well, made. This is a sad thing. You know, I, 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 I so, don't know. I was so sick of watching the NCAA tournament. Uh, while I love the sporting event, I'm right, so sick of the, the NCAA propaganda because what's being pushed is all of this stuff about women's equity. And, and okay, equity meaning how come we don't see more uh, of the uh, girls' basketball competition on national television? Well, the answer is simple. It's economics. It's because there's not as great of a viewership or as great of an interest across the board, period. It has nothing to do with penalizing women or being sexist against women. But the irony of the NCAA is while they're pushing all this women's equity, they completely erase womanhood because they're also promoting all this transgender nonsense. And so you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't be pro-woman and then be pro-transgender because as soon as you're pro-transgender, you just erase womanhood uh, uh, in its essence. Uh, so anyway, I get so tired. But you got the NCAA that's that's located in Indianapolis. You got, and this is the other thing. You you got the Chamber of Commerce, who's promoting all of this kind of of, of perversion. And so big money interest, corporate America, uh, all of this is, uh, in fact, one of the major uh, car automotive uh, producers in, Indi- in, in the United States is promoting all of this um, uh, you know, women's equity stuff. And, and the question, at least, does, we, ask, we have to ask this, like, again, these philosophies they're promoting, which really defines gender very differently from what most people think feel, what reality tells us, what's practical wisdom based on everyday knowledge, does it bring more joy? Does it bring more happiness to set more people free? Or does it disenfranchise more people, you know, whereas whereas it satisfies a small group of people? And and why would they do that? That's the question. What, What agenda are they really pushing? Yeah, well, it is ideologically driven because your ideas have consequences, and we talk about that all the time on this program. Ideas have consequences, and those ideas will take you somewhere logically. And sometimes, again, when you when you build on a false premise or you build on a lie, you might start off, you know, only a little bit off square in the in the corner here. But the farther out you go, the more the more out in la-la land you end up. And that's, I think, what the American people are realizing. This transgenderism is pushing. It's pushing logic to it to its to its illogical conclusions to the point where people are just going, "What?" I mean, I, I just saw we're we're now we're now we're not only dealing with with girls who are confused about being boys, boys who are confused about being girls, but now we're we're having kids that think that they're cats. You know, I don't know if you saw this. They they want to be identified as a cat, and when the, and when the teacher asks them a question, they meow. And if the teacher doesn't meow back, they're they're guilty of of violating the students' rights. I mean, this is we're living in a a, a, a an alternate reality here. That's ridiculous. Well, again, I mean, this is where like I, conservative states states. Well, I shouldn't even say because I don't even know what that means. <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah, what does that mean anymore? <laughs> we're but, supposed but to the, be one the of the difference in different states should should say, look, 
we're doing what we're doing and we're healthy and we're no more all prosperous and our people are happy Absolutely. and a bunch of people are moving into our states so far so much that they're jacking up prices up in our houses which I won't even go in that well, but and I love you know you're exactly right people are flocking to Indiana largely for economic reasons but also for sanity reasons uh, but I, I was just in Florida Thank God for Ron DeSantis. I wish our governor would take notes from Ron DeSantis because he's approaching all these issues with logical, common sense policy that it doesn't matter whether you're right or left or whatever. The typical person out there goes, okay, that makes sense. And their state is prospering. People are flocking to, to uh, Florida. Yeah. Uh, and I think that will continue to happen across America. People leaving craziness uh, over the border in Illinois, or you got California, you got all, all, everything out east. Uh, uh, people are tired of this. And, and you're gonna see it hit the fan because you can't live you can't live in, in irrationality and, and in a world that's insane and expect to have good fruit, as you were saying. When, when you start to find that we're aligning with J.K. Rowling's on certain issues, we know that somebody has gone off the deep end. Yeah, and let's talk about that because because the other consequence here is as soon as you have the courage to say, no, two plus two does not equal 10. Two plus two equals four. Uh, a male is a male. A biological male is a male. A biological female is a female. If you put on lipstick and, and a dress, uh, uh, as a man, and you and and you all of a sudden want us to call you a woman. We're not going to play the game. Uh, we're going to call the emperor out. The emperor is naked. All right. Uh, the emperor has no clothes. Uh, now all of the power brokers will come out and say that you're crazy, uh, and they will punish you. Just like I saw where the Babylon Bee got banished from the Twitter universe until they they willingly take their offensive uh, tweet off. They bow the knee to to corporate America and to uh, Silicon Valley. Uh, and uh, and all they simply said was that the, the USA Today's uh, woman of the year, who's actually a man dressed like a woman, who's one of Biden's top officials, right? Uh, Rachel Levine, I think is, uh, is her, his name now. Uh, because they called him a man instead of a woman. They were banned from, from Twitter universe. And what he's saying is Twitter's demanding that until they willingly pull that tweet off, they willingly bow the knee, basically say we were wrong, then they can't, they can't get back on the platform. And I love what this guy's saying. This is Adam Ford, um, the, the, the creator of uh, Babylon Bee, which, of course, is a satirical news site. Um, he says it's not just that expressing these views is not allowed. We have to deny that you meant it. They want you to concede something. They're forcing you to grovel and adopt an ideological position that you don't actually hold. Dylan shook his head. In this case, it's not even an ideological position that Twitter demands submission to. It's an outright lie. We stated the fact that a man is a man and we got punished for it. He says, we're living in a clown world. And boy, that is the truth. And I think most people realize we, we don't want to put on the clown suit and go along with the game. You know, let's stand up against it. Because really what's at, at stake, and you were touching on this, what's at stake is free speech, which used to be a liberal yeah, talking liberal. point. Yeah. So talk about, you know, you've been, you've been listening to some voices that you normally would not be listening to. Yeah, I mean, this is probably more than a huge... A much greater conversation, you know. I, I follow a string of, you know, 
YouTube, your YouTube viewer, viewer uh, videos are right. based on the algorithm where it will display what they think you, you want to watch. Right. So, you know, I follow some of the conservative voices and just, I like to hear different, you know, perspective on that. But I mean, I'm not trying to. I just, I'm like, oh, I'm interested in listening to this person. And then, and then, you know, it just follows the algorithm. And all of a sudden, more and more in my view, pops up Joe Rogan. It pops up um, what, Bill, Bill Maher. Bill Maher. Yeah, what, what's he Bill doing? Bill Maher. What's he doing on my YouTube channel? And then who was the other person I mentioned? Um, uh, oh, the one who was married to Katy Perry. Oh, uh, uh, Russell, uh, Bill Russell, uh, uh, Russell Brand, Russell Brand. Yeah, Russell Brand. I'm like, what's Russell Brand doing with my YouTube feed? <laughs> yeah, those are not people that are usually in our corner on any issue. You know, not a lot of linemen there. And but but because the world has drifted, I don't, I don't even want to say the world, the the corporate America, yeah, big government, big pharma, um, big corporate. Um, Big sports, yeah, Silicon um, Valley, all the IT people. All, so, so the alignment of the power holders, which doesn't represent the people, right? But the line, but it seems like it because they control all the communication, whatever, and that's illusion. We right, got they, they have the biggest, the biggest, biggest microphone. microphone, but that's not representative of normal people. When they start drifting out of liberalism, which whatever how you define liberalism, into really tyranny, okay? Um, yeah. The true liberals who might might not believe in God or align with might us on many different issues, you know, any of those issues, start to be like, what is going on here? Yeah. And they start calling out these guys, and they start popping on my feet. That tells me something's going on in this world. Yeah, I'm not going around looking for Russell Brand videos, okay? He's popping up on my YouTube feed because what he says, I agree with. Like, what he's saying yeah. now. You and other I conservatives agree. are liking it. I'm like, uh, yeah, agreeing, whatever, more and more and more. I'm like, what is going on in the world? What, yeah. When Bill Maher and I agree on something, yeah. that's, I mean, I used to not be able to stand that guy. Yeah. He was always obnoxious and always uh, very uh, sarcastic and attacking yeah. towards any, anything that we hold dear. But but, but but they get it. They get it. They, they, they understand that, that unless... Unless they have the right to, to speak openly about what they believe, uh, even if somebody else shares that same right, even though they, they disagree, if we allow that, that First Amendment right to be stripped from us, yeah. then nobody has the right to say, ultimately to say anything. At some point, you're going to be disagreeing with someone in power, and then your right gets stripped and taken from you. And that, that is tyranny. Uh, and I think the left is starting to see it. Well, um, some on the left, yeah. some who are independent thinkers on the on the right. left, and they I don't think they even consider themselves the left anymore. I mean, the right and the left. I mean, and, and and meanwhile, you got some people on the right who are going down that train. You got some people who are traditionally on the right who are more aligned with with the liberal left than than Bill Maher. Those who are supposedly on the Republicans. Yeah. That's where that, this is interesting. Um, Back to this, to, to uh, the the woman uh, champion, uh, who's a man, Leah Thomas. Uh, it says there was a group of people outside, a group of feminists outside the NCAA swim meet protesting, and um, one lady said uh, the the reason that the feminists were outside is because they are now politically homeless. Quote, I was historically liberal, one woman vented outside the girls' collegiate cha championship where Leah Thomas was racing. Now she says, quote, I don't think the Democrats care about women and girls. They want to put men in women's prisons and men on girls' sports teams. I think we're going to have a lot of people walking away. 
Um, I think that's the truth. Uh, I don't know that, like she said, she feels politically homeless because I don't think she feels homeless being uh, a Republican or conservative, but she certainly doesn't feel at home being a Democrat because she used to be someone who stood and still is someone who stands for women's rights and, and typical women's issues. And now the Democrats don't even know what a woman is. Well, let's just say we just had a Republican governor, Republican governor who also who also is well, do the same do the same thing. So she is politically. If you if you advocate for um, biological men and women for separate sports, separate prisons in right. these very vulnerable pl- positions or pe- pl- or competition positions, yep. you are based on just a couple of things we said. Are politically politically yep. homeless, and, and we're largely ourselves feeling politically homeless. Oh, uh, yeah, because whether you're on the the left or you're on the right. Uh, we're living in such an insane, crazy world. Uh, if you can't even figure out what a man is or a woman is, or you can't define what marriage is, or you can't define a, a baby in, in a mother's womb as a human being made in the image and likeness of God that deserves protection, I mean, we've lost our minds. I, I, um, I, I, a Repub- you being a Republican, anyone being a Republican means nothing to me anymore. I mean, that, that phrase just cover things up. Yeah. It's like when someone says, you know what, I'm a pastor. I'm like, okay. What does that mean? What does that even mean? Yeah. Are you even saved? <laughs> yeah. I'm a Christian. What, does that, what does that even yeah. mean? I mean, we those words, we we have diluted those words so much. Yeah. Well, and I just want to say, we, we have a May 3rd primary coming up. We have an opportunity for a lot of change. Uh, there have been a lot of candidates slated to run against e- e- even incumbent uh, Republicans across the state who are sick and tired of um, politics as usual down in, in uh, Indianapolis. Uh, so this is an opportunity for us to do a lot of change. You know, we're promoting voter registration, as every church should in our local church, making sure that our people are registered to vote, making sure that they uh, see that as a sacred uh, honor in this country to be able to elect uh, those who represent you. So I'm praying for a lot of change and hoping for a lot of change even in our own state. Um, and uh, so just encourage you all to get involved. So that was the first kind of half of our uh, of our podcast today. But, you know, as you all know, we've been talking about this very, very important topic called shame. And shame is like the oxygen. It's like the air that we breathe as fallen people. And getting free from shame and understanding the role that Jesus plays in setting us free from shame uh, is really um, the first step to, to a pathway of uh, a life filled with joy and love and peace and all the things that are part of the kingdom of God. And so it's been great. I, I appreciate it. We've been kind of bouncing back and forth uh, in this teaching series and beginning a lot of really good feedback from it. Yeah. Um, last thing I talked about um, on Sunday was, uh, well, a couple of things, the back, back-to-back weeks, I guess. But we've been talking about how Jesus really goes out and attacks shame. Uh, his goal is to restore and heal. And, and Jesus is a master surgeon. And, uh, and so he is not going to allow us to, to, because shame isolates us. Shame keeps us from relationships with each other, from our relationships with him. So, so his primary goal in, in get, after getting our hearts converted is then to free us from the debilitating effects of shame. And we use the example of Peter. Uh, you know, I can't imagine that um, John, John's gospel talks about, uh, you know, when that fateful night when Jesus told all the disciples, he says, you're going to desert me, every one of you. Uh, the shepherd is going to be stricken and all the sheep are going to run. And, and Peter said, I'll never... I'll never deny you. I will never turn my back on you. And these guys might, but but I won't. And, of course, we know what happened. Uh, Christ's words were true. And, in fact, uh, John's gospel tells us that 
on that night before the rooster crowed and Peter denied Christ for the third time, that Jesus and Peter caught eyes. And I, I can't imagine how the devil played on that moment just to pile shame and heap shame upon Peter's heart. I mean, yeah. looking into the eyes, and you know Peter loved Jesus, and Jesus loved Peter. That wasn't the issue, but Peter realized at that moment he had just fulfilled the prophetic words of Christ over his life, and I, I can't imagine the depth and of pain and shame that he felt. In fact, the Bible says he left weeping bitterly. And, and then Peter did something that many of us do. We, uh, we say, you know what, I quit. I tried Jesus, I tried the church, I, I tried to be a good Christian, and I, I'm just ultimately, I'm, you know, I'm a big loser, uh, and I'm done. And, and Peter went back to doing what he was comfortable with, which was fishing. Yeah. And, uh, and, and what I appreciate about Peter was we, we give him a hard time, but Peter was a leader because the other disciples followed Peter. So basically all, the, all of, the, of the 12 pretty much turned in their Jesus card, their disciple-making card, and they just said, uh, I'm done. We're, we're, we're going to go fish. And it's interesting that that's what shame will do to you. If you and I try something and we fail, then the devil piles on on shame. And then what, what the message is, is don't ever try that again because you can't do that. You're not good at that. People will laugh at you. People will make fun of you. You don't measure up. You don't have what it takes. All those messages that, that shame likes to amplify in our brains. Uh, and, and, and Peter and the 12 were there. You know, they just said basically... Let's go back to doing what we know how to do well, catch fish. And the irony of it is um, they weren't catching fish that well every time Jesus showed up because they had spent the night fishing twice all through the night, caught nothing. Yeah. And so there's Jesus on the shore, and uh, and he calls out to them, Hey, kids, children, because that's, that's what that word meant in the Greek, was little kids who were still under the supervision of, of a mature adult. So, uh, hey, kids. Uh How'd you guys do last night? And of course, the answer was they caught nothing. And then at that moment, they realized it was it was Jesus. And uh, Peter's the first one out of the boat, swimming into shore. And uh, and of course, that's the famous passage in John at the end of John's Gospel, where Jesus asked Peter three times, "Do you love me?" And uh, first of all, he asked him, "Do you love me more than these?" And we highlight the fact that the, these were the 153 fish there on the beach because Jesus was taking Peter back to the original call where he said, uh, you know, I'm going to teach you how to fish for men, not for, for, for fish. Uh, and it says that in that earlier passage, when they went ashore, they dropped their nets, they left everything, and they followed Jesus. So Jesus is really about going after Peter's calling. Yeah, it, it's, you know, the voice of shame is that you are not enough yeah. and you're not valuable. Um, the first one is you don't have what it takes. And that's why failure produced such a huge degree of shame. Yep. And that's what basically what happened to Peter is Peter, when he denied, when in the face of persecution, in the face of possible uh, right. being arrested, <coughs> possibly being even crucified with Jesus. Yep. Even being associated. Being associated with him. In any just, way. The fear came upon him. Who he really was was revealed, and he was not enough. He denied Christ. When yeah. He, when he thought, At the moment of, <coughs> of testing, he failed the test. He failed the test. So I mean, that wasn't like uh, that wasn't like a, a theoretical failure. That was a tangible shame. Yeah. Like I, when shame com comes on Peter, he has no defense. Right. He's like, because it's true. I did true. fail. I did. I, I messed up. He, yep. he, we all understand that. This is not just like oh, people made fun of me or whatever. This is like no. When the moment come came for me to lay my life down for my savior, for my Lord. Nope. I, I yep. fail. Yep. And 
out of that, what what is what is our all our reaction in the middle of that? And I think we all experienced that before. Is uh, I'm gonna go back and do something that will make yeah, make he, me feel better about myself, <laughs> make yeah, me feel yeah. like I am capable. He, he removed himself from a shameful <laughs> place. He 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 left. Yeah. He, he he literally ran away he ran. and he wept. Um, so he he's distancing himself. And and it's interesting, you know, because I, I talked about this. If I had an agenda, I only got 40 days between the resurrection and, and the and the ascension. You know, what am I going to do? How am I going to strategize that tar- that the use of my time wisely? And I find it interesting that one of the first things Jesus does is he goes after the guys that all deserted him at at his moment of greatest need. So he hasn't. He, and I think this is a good message for all of us. You know, when we do fail and our failure is real, like Peter's was real failure. The Lord doesn't cancel us like our culture is trying to do today. Um, he actually seeks to go after us to restore us. He wants to take the shame off of us, and he wants to restore us to proper relationship. And, that, and that's exactly what Jesus does with Peter. Well, and that's, I love that story because Jesus came back. So Peter is out fishing because he's, he's trying to cover up his shame by saying, well, here's one thing at least I think I'm competent in. Right. And of course, as he went out to do that, he's probably encountered more shame. He's probably thinking, well, <laughs> yeah. I denied Jesus. And now he's been all night fishing even, and couldn't catch one. I can't one. even catch fish. So he's probably feeling even more shame in the middle of all that. I've been there before, too. What, like, yeah, what am I good I'm at? i back to the one thing I'm good at. I'm like, well, I guess I'm not that good at this either. <laughs> and in the middle of that, Jesus came and he invited them to come out. Yeah. He shows them, first of all, that... Uh, in our own strength, we could do nothing. Yeah. Well, he, I love he, the practical side of it. He, he cooks a meal. You know, he, well, he, he first through he, him they caught they they caught the mega fish low right. with his power because of his word. Because of his words again, which is a reminder that even we're like, oh, I don't need God. I'm just going to do what I'm good at. Well, really, are you really even good at that without God? No, right. you're not. Right. right. So there's awakening yeah. there. Jesus's words make no sense to a fisherman. Throw the net out on the opposite side of the boat, as yeah. if you know six or eight feet is going to make that much difference. Yeah. But but with Jesus, it makes a huge difference. So yeah. you're right. He, he yeah. provides a supernatural catch. So he first showed them your ability means nothing anyways, which is interesting in itself because yeah. Peter beat himself off because, like, I don't have enough perseverance. I don't have character. And Jesus yeah. is like, well, I didn't expect that from you. I knew that. And you so didn't have that anyway. So there is an exposure of what we thought we had. Yeah. Is, Peter's is personal strength. Anyway. Peter's personal you know, uh, knowledge of fishing, his his expertise, none of that is what the Lord's looking for. So there's a, now there's a deeper level of brokenness. Now, Peter's still being broken, right? But what did Jesus do in the middle of his brokenness? He invites him to yep. food. Let's have, let's have some breakfast together. Yeah, he invites him to food. And I love that. We highlighted the word, it says in the Bible, that he created a charcoal fire. And it's the same word that's only used one other time in the whole Bible uh, and it's used for the fire that Peter was warming himself with on the night he betrayed Christ three times. So, so Jesus is masterfully recreating the elements that were that stirred up in a sensory way, stirred up all the moments where Peter is being brought back to his shameful experience. Uh, and Jesus is doing this on purpose. He's Peter's literally reliving his calling. He's reliving his denial. And now Jesus is calling him back and saying, Peter, do you love me more than all these fish? In other words, will you go about the mission that I called you to in the yeah. first place? You're, you're not a failure. I'm not going to let you quit. I'm calling you back. And three times that Jesus' response is, feed my sheep. In other words, get back to caring for my people, loving my people, uh, leading people to Christ, and making disciples. I love it because many times with my 
kids are struggling to emotionally overcome to do something they need to be doing. Uh, I actually have them confess it with their mouth first, you know? Wow, that's good. Like, because, you know, you confess with your mouth first. It, there's a neurological side to it and there's a spiritual side to it. You, well, you, you speak it first and then you feel it. You yeah. know, it's like, yeah. it's like I, I don't want to be thankful. I'm just oh, like, dude, you had a great day. Oh, okay, why don't you start by just saying, hey, you know, I am thankful. I know you don't feel it. I'm not trying to force it upon you legalistic. I just want you to confess it first. Right. So just say, I, I, I'm going to try to be thankful. I'm going to try to be thankful. Just try confessing. I, I think that of first. that scripture that says, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice yeah. and I will be glad in it. When you make that declaration at the start of a new day yeah. with your mouth, then it sets the course of your journey for that day. Yeah, that's a great point. You're really, you're really saying, you know what? I am in charge of my emotions and not the other way around. I am going to take control. And with my kids, they don't get... They're young. They don't get all that. But I'm trying to teach them just elementary stuff. Oh, just confess that a little bit. I think that's what Jesus was, was doing to Peter. He's saying, yeah. hey, do you love me? And he's allowing Peter through his pain, processing pain, processing his his weakness, his brokenness to say, no, Lord, I do love you. Yes. I do love you. Maybe not in a perfect way, but I do love you. And, and Feed I, my sheep. I love this too. Jesus, he, he doesn't interrupt a nice meal. Everybody's eating. But it says when the, when the meal was finished, he goes right after Peter. Yeah. Peter. And he, and he goes after what the elephant in the room, yeah. which was the shame. Yeah. And, and and he calls him Peter. And of course, Peter was was a nickname. It was a term of endearment. Peter's Peter's name was Simon, uh, and Simon means a, a reed that's bent in the wind. And Jesus calls him Peter, which means rock. Yeah. Uh, and so, literally, Jesus was calling the destiny out of Peter. Jesus saw something in Peter that Peter did not even see, and by naming him. And it was, a, again, a term of endearment, which is a term he goes back to, um, which shows Jesus is talking to him as a dear friend. Yeah. And then I love it, because we know how history uh, unfolds. Peter, of course, ultimately gives his life. He's crucified. He told, he told his, his oppressors that uh, he was not worthy to be crucified like his Lord. He was crucified upside down. Uh, and Peter passes the final test. And, of course, we're still talking about Peter. Peter's one of the foundational pillars in the in the church of Jesus Christ. He preached the first message on on uh, the day of Pentecost, which led to the birthing of the of the church of Jesus Christ, which is now global and continuing to grow even as we speak. And so what a great story of, of the power of the love of Jesus to go after and attack and kill and destroy the shame, because what he's really after is relationship with us. He loves us so much. He loves you so much. And I just want to ask you, as we kind of close this podcast today, what are the areas of shame, the pockets of shame that are still in your heart that are keeping you at arm's length from the one who loved you so much that he died for you, the one who loves you so much that he wants to spend eternity with you? Let's deal with the shame. Let the Lord expose those lies in your heart and those shameful things from maybe from your past that keep you a prisoner to the present and keep you uh, looking in the rearview mirror instead of looking into the future yeah. and the great life that God has for you. I, I think shame has so many unintended consequences when you're dealing with it. I mean, I think about just even the stuff we're talking about today. Yeah. The, the, just the mess we have in women's sports with women prison. Just, yeah. just, just the, the feeling that you're not enough, that, that, that you have to compete and win this championship when you're biological male. I mean, just the shame involved in all of this. And then our heart's not to throw more shame upon this right. person or whatnot, but but man, shame, how shame just pro pro propagates into more shame to right. these other ladies who lose. Right. But it just causes more shame when people 
because the, the again, the ultimate journey, the ultimate narrative the enemy trying to come to every single one, whether you're a Christian or not, is that you're not enough. And to make to feel enough, you have to do different things to your body. You have to do different things to right. you know, you have to you have to be canceled, you have to cancel somebody else, you have to shut other people's voice down yeah. and and um you know, and that's it's all rooted in shame. It's all rooted. In, you're not valuable. You know, think of the message of shame and and uh, and like the, the transgender folks. It's basically saying, you're really not who God made you. You're really not a male. You're really not a female. You, you're really the opposite gender. You're not enough. You're not who you think you are. You're you're not really uh, a woman. So now you're going to try to become a man. I mean, it, the the lie is you're never measuring up. You're never good enough. And obviously. If, from objective reality, the goal is not to pile more shame on these people. The goal is to say, hey, you are a man or you are a woman. Uh, you're confused right now. You feel like you're not enough, but you need healing. Uh, you need help. And that's what compassion does. So we don't condemn people. We're not putting shame on people. But we are saying that to live a lie leads you on to, to, to unintended, unintended consequences, consequences that ultimately destroy you. And, deep, and, and deeper <clears throat> source of shame, deeper source of there's no freedom in this. Right. And what we really want is for freedom for Absolutely. everybody involved. We don't want to throw anyone under the bus. We don't want to cast a stone at the um, Thompson or whoever else. Yeah. But, but, but man, it just propagates shame. And then what happens is shame shuts people's voices. Right. Right. And no one, that's what censorship does. Oh, I've been censored. Now I can't speak. Well, that's more shame. A shame on you for speaking out on this issue. Right. You don't care. You don't do all these different things, you know? Shame just, it's like a virus. It's like it just propagates itself. And I, so. I, maybe it's a good place to close because uh, with back to the Babylon Bee people. Uh, I said at the end of the day, the more cowardly we are as a movement, the more likely it is that the cancel culture will take over the marketplace of ideas. And we don't want this to happen. So I think we need to be more bold. We need to be more open about our beliefs. The best way you can help, Dylan agrees, is never censor yourself insist that two plus two make four, even if Twitter tries to compel you to say otherwise. Continue to say what's true, even if it has consequences. He says, make them ban tens of millions of us. And I like that approach because, you know, I go back to the whole women's sports issue. If that were my daughter and she was playing on a women's intercollegiate sports team, I think what would need to happen is that the whole team says, look, if this man is going to swim in a women's event, then none of us are going to participate. What would happen if the entire field of women athletes said, you know what, we're not going to take part of this, uh, basically a mockery and, a, and an abuse of, uh, of women's sports? Um, then something would have to happen. But as long as we're complicit, as long as we jump in the water, as long as we go on the playing field, uh, as long as we put up with the, uh, the myth, uh, then everybody loses. And, uh, and so it's time to stand up, it's time to be strong, it's time to be courageous, it's time to, to, to never silence yourself because of fear. Always speak the truth, speak it in love, but speak the truth. Uh, and uh, at the end, the, the truth will win, it always does, and that's what this podcast is committed to. So thank you all for watching. I want to encourage those of you who maybe think, wow, I like what you guys are talking about, Shane. Please go to our website at lstones.org. We have on our media section all this, this, this series. I think we're in week number eight right now coming up. Uh, and I know there's a lot of, of great truth that you can find there that will really help to set you free and minister to your heart. So until next uh, Thursday, uh, thanks again for watching. Please help us share this podcast far and wide. We'd love to hear your comments, all right? God bless you and have an amazing week.